I've said to a lot of people that I'm the biggest quitter. <laughs> and what I mean about that is I quit the things that don't work really, really fast and try something else. Nice. And so I'm okay quitting as long as you're quitting the right things, then you're on your way to finding out what does work. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou. And boy, do we have an incredible guest lined up for you today. My guest today is none other than the star of the movie, The Secret, the legendary businessman who has run, created, more successful businesses than practically anyone else I've ever known or interviewed for this podcast. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the legendary John Assaroff. Welcome to the show, John. Welcome to the show to you too, my friend. It's uh, so nice to get such a wonderful uh, opening like that. I hope I live up to the expectation. <laughs> That's all you got to do. You just got to live up to the expectation. No big deal. My pleasure. My pleasure. So, John, we, we were talking just before the show started about the fact that I know your brother, Mark, and that I met him when he did Landmark, and you sent him to Landmark, which is super cool. And I also know someone that we both know, Raymond Aaron. I think you're both in the, the transformational leadership circle together. How cool is that? It- yeah, it's great. Yeah, our friend uh, Jack Canfield wanted a uh, little place for some of the thought leaders to get together on a regular basis. And he started the Transformation Leadership Council many years ago. And it turned out to be a phenomenal decision, I guess, from uh, from that day that it was just an idea. Incredible. Incredible. So, John, you are one of the most recognized thought leaders in the world. I mean, being in the movie The Secret and uh, the, the stories you told in that movie, millions upon millions of people have seen that, know who you are, and know about you and your thought leadership. But they may not necessarily know your backstory. And our listener is a business person. They're a coach, a consultant, an entrepreneur, maybe even a solopreneur. And the reason they listen to this podcast is they want to have some fun. They want to learn, but they specifically want to find out what is your genius? How can they take that genius and apply it to their life and their business to take it to the next level, especially early on in 2018, because we're interviewing, we're doing this interview in early, early January, 2018. Tell us your backstory, John. Our listener wants to know. I love it. You know, I guess like, like most of the people that are listening, you know, I grew up in a family whose parents, you know, worked hard. My father was a cab driver. My mother worked at a local department store. Uh, They struggled not having enough money. They struggled in their relationship. And, uh, you know, I I look at that as that's normal. Uh, That's not uh, dysfunctional. That's normal for most of the people that I've met around the world. And unfortunately for me, I took a, a path where I got involved with a lot of 
just hardened people uh, when I was younger in Montreal and Toronto, actually in Montreal, and then moved to Toronto. And I just got involved with a lot of things to break the law and got in trouble with police. And uh, a few of the people that I was uh, playing with at the time in my, in my late teens were uh, either put in jail and a couple of them died. Wow. And so I knew that my, my life was heading in the wrong direction. Uh, and I was picking up speed. And my brother, who you met probably about 15 years ago, asked me if I would meet one man uh, in Toronto, Canada. His name was Alan Brown. He was a developer of real estate. He owned seven real estate offices. He was a philanthropist, a husband, healthy, a great dad, etc. And my brother asked me if I would meet him. And I said, sure, I'd meet him. So I took the train from uh, Montreal to Toronto, met for lunch with Alan Brown. And that one lunch... And one decision that I made because of a question he asked me transformed the trajectory and results in my life. And I, I now realize that I had to be ready to hear what he had to say, but I also had to be willing to make a decision that would help me. I had to participate in my own rescue. Hmm. And I'll share, you know, what he shared, what he asked me a little bit later when we get into it. But, you know, I, I got on the path uh, at the age of 19. It was June of 1980 that my life really changed. And what really transformed for me was a shifting of what I thought was true and real about me. And at the time, I didn't think I was smart enough. I didn't think I was good enough. I didn't think that I would amount to much because all of my results showed those to be true. Uh, my teachers didn't think I was very smart. And even though I grew up in a, in a loving, caring family, I uh, had a lot of insecurities as a young kid. I know today, without a question of a doubt, that one podcast, one article, one question, one answer can change your life. And maybe that's the trajectory we'll take today is, you know, what are some of those questions that anybody could be asking themselves to really level up their game? John, that's, that's a powerful point. Just before our interview, I interviewed Scott Adams. You may know him as the man who created the Dilbert comic strip. Yeah. So Scott told me a story during the interview, which just blew me away. He said that when he was getting started as a comic, he missed a show that was on PBS. This was in the pre-internet days. So he wrote to the host of the show and asked him for some tips on how to become a cartoonist. And the host wrote back to him a two-page letter full of tips. And the last thing he said is don't quit. Keep going because there's a lot of rejection in the field. And so Scott said at that point in time, okay, but he went and he did what this uh, gentleman advised him to do. He bought all this material and he, he sent out a few samples and they all rejected him. Okay. So what did he do? He actually quit. He packed everything up. He felt good that he gave it the old college try and he left it alone. Then a full year later, there was another letter from this gentleman. And this gentleman, all he said in that letter is, I'm writing to you because I want to encourage you not to quit. And that was it. That was all he saw. He said, you know, I saw something in the samples you sent me. You've got talent. Don't quit. So the rest is history, right? I mean, Dilbert became one of the biggest comic strips in the world as a result of this. And, you know, Scott Adams became successful and helped a lot of other people become successful. So to me, that's very similar to the point that you just made. 
Yeah, I, I've often actually taken just a slightly different way of looking at that exact same thing. And I've, I've said to a lot of people that I'm the biggest quitter. Hmm. And what I mean about that is I quit the things that don't work really, really fast and try something else. Nice. And so I'm okay quitting as long as you're quitting the right things, then you're on your way to finding out what does work. And one of the things that I know I just makes sense. Yeah. One of the things I can't help but not, you know, get into is all of the how to we already know. So how to build your business to a million dollars. We already know how. How to build your business to 10 million or 100 million, we already know how. How to overcome your disempowering emotions, we know how. How to stay focused, we know how. How to lose weight and keep it off, we know how. How to put a woman on the moon, we know how. How to put a rover on Mars, we know how. Everything that just about everybody who's listening right now wants to achieve in health, wealth, relationships, career, business, spirituality, fire experiences, we know how. Hmm. So your problem isn't that the how is not there. The how is there. So that's the least of our problems because somebody's already done what we want to do so we could easily at least start with that blueprint. But where I really have taken a deep, deep, deep dive into the neuroscience and neuropsychology world in the last 20 years is understanding what prevents people from stepping up and taking action, an inspired action every day, even when they fail, even when they have fears, even when they're lacking confidence or certainty, even when they think they're not smart enough or good enough or worthy enough, even when they have disempowering habits or perceptions or behaviors. How do you train yourself to take action anyway and to move forward and, and focus on progress versus all of the disempowering emotions or thought patterns or behaviors that keep you stuck. That's the area that I was, for whatever reason, drawn to when I got into the personal growth and personal development field. And it probably stems from having, you know, with when I was building Remax of Indiana, I had 1,500 salespeople, um, 700 support staff. And so I had a pretty big operation. That's huge. And we were, we were giving everybody the same training, the same books, the same manuals, the same coaching, the same consultants, the same speakers, and only a handful, you know, would just take off like a rocket ship, even though all of the information and processes were the same. So I got fascinated with how come. And what I discovered not only helped me build a four and a half billion dollar a year in sales company, but it helped really set the course for what I was about to do uh, in my life in helping people. John, that's fascinating. A four and a half billion dollar a year company. That's huge. So tell us, what'd you find out? <laughs> well, uh, what I found out is everybody has goals and dreams. But one of the first things that uh, I'll take you back to the story of Mr. Alan Brown in Toronto that happened on early May 1980. I sat across from him as a as a 19 year old boy who thought his shit didn't stink and I was you know pretty cool 
And, you know, I didn't have two nickels to rub together and I was getting in trouble and I had a, you know, like $6 an hour job, uh, but I was making more money selling drugs. And uh, so I was doing illegal things that was destroying my self-worth and self-esteem. And I didn't know it at the time. And he asked me if I had any goals. And I, I said, I don't really have any goals. I want to, you know, make enough money to pay my rent, to get a car, to, you know, maybe travel a little bit and to buy some, you know, food and alcohol at the bars with my friends. And he says, well, you need to start thinking bigger than you are right now. He says, you're allowing your present circumstances to control your thinking. You're allowing your beliefs about yourself, about what's possible to control your thinking. And he gave me these uh, sheets of paper. He said, what I want you to do is I want you to go home. And I want you to write down some goals for health, wealth, relationships, career, business, spiritual, charity, etc. He says, come back Monday morning. And so I did that, even though I was like, what in the world is he having me do? I don't have any idea, you know, what to write down. But he said, use your imagination and think of setting goals in this way. If you knew you couldn't fail, what would you try? And so I went back to my brother's house at the time and I sat down, I wrote for hours upon hours um, how much money I wanted to make. At the time, I wanted to make $100,000 and that was because my father was only making $25,000 a year. And I wanted to have a million dollars net worth by the time I was 45, which was 26 years later. Uh, I wanted to travel the world. I wanted to do a whole bunch of stuff. And when I came back on Monday morning, he said, you know, this is pretty good. He said, you, you, you're pretty creative. He said, where'd you get most of these ideas? And I said to him, well, there's a show that I love on TV. It's called Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. I said, I'd love to be able to live that kind of lifestyle, you know, where you can give to charities and have nice clothes and have nice cars and fly in jets. He says, well, you know, that's possible for you. I said, well, maybe, maybe in another lifetime, but not this one. And he said, no, no, no. He said, it's possible for you and I can show you how to do that, but you have to answer this one question for me. And I said, sure, fire away. And he said, are you interested in achieving those goals and dreams that you have on these sheets of paper or are you committed? And I looked at him almost like a puppy dog looking at you with a bewildered face. And I said, Mr. Brown, I said, what's the difference? What do you mean? Am I interested or am I committed? He said, well, if you're interested, he says, you'll do what's convenient. If you're interested, you'll come up with stories and excuses and reasons why you can't. If you're interested, you'll give up. If you're interested, you'll show up half the time and not the other half, and you'll have reasons why you did. He says, if you're committed, you will throw out all of your stories, your excuses, your reasons, and the beliefs you currently have, and you will upgrade your knowledge and skills and beliefs and habits and behaviors to match the level of the success that you want to achieve. It says, if you're interested, I can't help you. If you're interested, I will help you. Put out my hand after thinking about it for about 30 seconds. I said, Mr. Brown, I'm committed. And that one decision, that one shift in awareness transformed my life. So I ask everybody who's listening right now, are you interested or are you committed to achieving the goals that you have in your head or on your computer or on your iPad or iPhone or on a piece of paper? Because if you're committed, then today will be the day that is your independence day from all the stories, excuses, reasons of why you can't. And you will do whatever it takes, no matter what, that's ethical and professional. And I can guarantee for anybody who makes that commitment seriously and earnestly, they will achieve every one of their goals and dreams and then some.
wow. I got goosebumps listening to you say that. <laughs> that was powerful. I got something out of that for myself, and I've heard that many, many times before. But you know, sometimes it takes hearing the same message 10, 20, 30, 50, 100, 1,000 times before it truly makes a difference. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Repetition is the mother of learning and skill. And so you know, that's part of how we learn. It is part of how we learn. That was really powerfully said. You know, when it comes to bacon and eggs, the chicken is interested, but the pig is committed, <laughs> right? You got it. That's right. That's absolutely brilliant. So, John, you, you've been an icon when it comes to thought leadership for decades, right? That, that story you told in The Secret uh, about your vision board, when you, your son asked you, what's a vision board? And you explained it to him and, and you pulled one out to show him. And the picture of the house on that vision board was the very house you were living in. That gave me goosebumps. That blew me away. That made me cry. John, I want to know, how did you develop such certainty in your thought leadership that you manifested something at that specific a level? I think first, when I didn't trust myself, because I didn't have the experience, the knowledge, the skill, I trusted the books that I read. I trusted the at the time, the audio cassettes that I bought and listened to, I trusted the courses I took, the teachers that I followed and respected that were achieving the goal. So I put more trust in them and them knowing what I should do than what I knew. And then as I experienced more success, I became more of a voracious student. Uh, I just started to achieve success and I became addicted to, to, to learning more, to discovering more about myself, wh why I do what I do, why I don't do the things I know I should do. Uh, I wanted to dive deep into the, the world of the, the unseen, the quantum field of intelligence that's omnipotent, omnipresent, but I didn't want to let loose uh, or lose sight of the, the brain stuff and the pure science stuff as well. And so for me, I, I, I somehow merged you know, spirituality and the intelligence in everything and everyone with pure science, which is methodical, organized, and repeatable. So I wanted to integrate science and spirituality in my life, in, in every area of my life, but into my businesses as well. And that combination for me has worked really, really well. And, and so for me, it was a matter of just being a really good student, but more than just being studious. Um, I don't know whether it was because I played a lot of sports. I was used to, you know, failing and getting up and, you know, shooting again or, 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 or playing my position again. Um, I don't have a problem taking action. And, and I learned how to frame failure when I was 19, 20 years old. You know, failure, I was taught, didn't mean that I am a failure as a human being. I was taught that if I do something and I don't get the result that I want, the strategy or the tactic or the time or something just didn't work. Uh, but I needed to try something different. But I also learned a shortcut. One of the things that um, I'm not proud of, but uh, I understand why I did what I did when I was a kid in school. I used to 
try and uh, get all of the answers for our tests ahead of time and rely on the um, efforts of all the smart kids who took the test before me. And so I used to basically get all the answers uh, that I could do well on my tests. Um, and I basically figured out a way to, to shortcut the results that I wanted. Now, where am I going with that? Well, I'm going to go back to all the how-to we already know. And so I buy an enormous amount of books. I hire consultants. I hire coaches. I hire experts in every area of my life that I'm not an expert in. And the reason I do that is by paying them whatever it is, $100, $200, $500 an hour for their time or $1,000 an hour for their time in some cases, I'm not gaining an hour of their time. I'm getting 20, 30, 40 years of their experience that I don't have to go through. And so I have been really, really, really good at shortening the time frame from goal, idea, vision to implementation because I get all the how-to in advance. That's brilliant. I love that. Let's switch gears and let's take a look at the five pillars of thought leadership. So I've identified five pillars of thought leadership in the work I've done with uh, peers of mine like Michael Palmer, who used to co-host the show with me, uh, as well as Mark Von Muser uh, and Matt Church. And let me tell you a bit about those two men. Mark Von Muser used to uh, work with the number one transformational leader on the planet, uh, and he helped him grow his business from under 10 million to almost 170 million. And uh, Matt Church is Australia's greatest speaker and thought leader. In fact, he's the founder of Thought Leaders Global. And these five pillars are very powerful because I think they encompass what being a powerful and effective thought leader is all about. So pillar number one is you got to have world-class IP. So I want to know what your comment is on that, especially in terms of how you've applied that to building your own thought leadership and your business. Um, well, in, in the world that we live in, uh, if we talk about business, then, you know, we're talking about competition. Hmm. And that means that other people are offering, you know, products and or services that promise the same result as I am. So to think that you're not in competition, you're deluding yourself of the truth. And so the question you ask yourself is, you know, what's one of the differentiating factors that can help you rise above your competition? And so any smart business that's gonna grow looks to create intellectual property or processes or systems that give them the edge. And so I'm all for that. I mean, that's one of the reasons when I started my company, Neurogym, you know, I wanted to dive into the, the neuroscience world. And so I created some brain training programs that are auditory based um, that are the best in the world. I know they are. And the next generation will be even better because we're looking to make them better and better and better. So I think, you know, world-class IP for differentiation, but also um, to make sure that the effect that you're promising or the results you're promising, you know, can be met uh, or at least met and exceeded. So I'm all for IP, uh, process IP of some kind, ways to block competition out of the way, but also ways to make sure that the people that you're making the promise to get the result that then causes them to be ambassadors for your brand. I like it. I think that's very powerful and very important. Okay. So the second pillar, which I think 
ties in very nicely to the first is following a strategy of preeminence, being the best or at least one of the best in your field. What's your comments on that? Have you implemented that inside your business, inside your thought leadership? Uh, so I guess it depends on your goals, right? So if you have a goal of making, you know, 50, 100 or $200,000 a year, I don't think that that's as critical as if you want to, you know, start cranking out five, 10, 20, 50, a hundred million dollars a year. So I think it just depends on what your vision is for your product, service, company, lifestyle first. But any time that you can be considered a thought leader, one of the best, then you're going to have an edge over everybody else. So if you think about this, let's just use a, an example everybody can relate to. Let's say you type in a search for any product or service right now. We know that the, let's eliminate the ads on Google if you do a search. If you eliminate the ads, the top three or four positions, they get more than 85% of all of the eyeballs. And so if you're in the top, you know, three, four, or five in your field, in an area of your field, then you're by default going to get more traffic, more eyeballs, more people coming to you as a result of taking that, you know, preeminence position. And the thing that comes with preeminence is, you know, if you are insecure, you will never feel comfortable taking a preeminent position. And so how do you focus on being secure that your process, your deliverability, your product, something that you're offering is one of the best that guarantees a result? See, just about everybody who's taking a preeminent position, they're guaranteeing something along with that. And they're saying, if you choose me, when you choose me, I promise that when you apply my X, Y, or Z, you are going to get A, B, and C. And that's predictable. And so how do you get to that point? Is first you work on your inner game of self-confidence and certainty in yourself. And you practice, practice, practice to get outstanding at what you do. That's powerful stuff. I really like the analogy of Google and the first two or three listings on the on the first page are the ones that get 85 plus percent of the eyeballs. That's powerful. It's a great analogy. We're big believers in using models analogy to illustrate points and thought leadership. So I love that you did that. So can you talk about how you specifically use this strategy in your world, in your business, and as a thought leader? Sure. So as I mentioned, NeuroGym is all about helping people develop the uh, mindset of a champion and and their and work on you know upgrading their mental and emotional fitness so that they can actually apply what they need. And so one of the things that we did right off the bat is we positioned ourselves as one of the leaders in the personal development arena that's science-based. So we took a preeminent position of being the leader in the science-based personal development world. We then backed that up by getting professors from Harvard, from Oxford, from Stanford, to corroborate with us that what we're doing is world-class neuroscience, neuropsychology-based. And so for the last six years, I've collaborated with over 25 leading neuroscientists who are the best in the world in their fields to reinforce that position. And so even though, you know, Tony Robbins is a competitor of ours and maybe Mark 
um, Victor Hansen still is, and Jack Canfield, Dennis Waitley, you know, is as well. You know, our position, our preeminent position in the market is if you want science-based personal development, uh, you're going to go to Neurogen. Okay, totally got that. Okay, so the next pillar is clarity. We talk about having a clear message and being clear on who your ideal target audience is. Talk about that. Sure. So uh, let me let me just dive into some of the work we do. We do, and so everybody's probably heard before on this show or others that we have between thirty-five thousand and fifty thoughts a day, and your brain doesn't really differentiate between those thoughts except for the ones that you focus on on a consistent basis, and it doesn't really care whether they're positive ones, negative ones, good ones, bad ones. And so when you take the time to get clarity and you actually put energy into getting the clarity of your vision or your goals or your strategies, your tasks, whatever it is, and then you take some time to do something called cognitive priming, where you prime your brain daily to focus on that which you have deemed as important over a period of several weeks, your brain basically says, okay, I guess this is really important to you. Let me make this a subconscious pattern for you so that even when you're not thinking about it using your conscious effort, at a subconscious level, I'll keep working on it, finding the tools, the resources, the people, the articles, the behaviors that you need in order to achieve that vision or goal. So if you are uh, poor in having clarity, then you're basically giving your brain a scattered message. And our brain is a really finely tuned uh, piece of electromagnetic equipment. And so if you think about an autopilot, you like models and analogies, so I'll give you an autopilot. Imagine you get onto an airplane or a yacht and you're not exactly sure where the destination is and you try to plug those coordinates into the autopilot system. Uh, you may end up 200, 500, or 5,000 miles away from your destination if you don't program that autopilot. And so your brain has a variety of different functions. And when we start off with clarity, that sets up a mechanism in the brain that actually activates your brain's GPS system, which is your left prefrontal cortex, which is the genius part of your brain. And when you give it clarity, and focus and timelines of when you want to achieve things by, it takes some of the processing that's used to process over 400 billion bits of information per second and now allocates a little bit of that computational power towards how will you achieve that vision, that goal that you tell it it's important for you to achieve. And so just last night I was with my son Keenan, who's 22. And this weekend, we're getting back together again to is just get he, is even more Is he the same boy from The Secret? He is the same boy from The Secret. That's awesome. So about a week and a half ago, we were on vacation and he wrote out his life story and he recorded his new life story of how much money he's making, how much he weighs, what his vision is, what his goals are. He wrote it out and he recorded it. And this weekend, we're actually uh, going to tweak it. And then he's going to be listening to that every single day to prime his brain with the clarity and precision of exactly what he wants to achieve in health, wealth, relationship, careers, business, finances, fun, experiences. And it will be as clear as anything he has ever done. That's awesome. I love that. 
So the fourth pillar is what we call leverage. And what I mean by leverage is very simple. Leverage is taking your expertise, your intellectual property, and being able to offer it to multiple audiences, being able to offer it to multiple, across multiple platforms and delivered in multiple ways. Comment on that if you would. Uh, well, yeah, leverage is, uh, is, 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 uh, is like the uh, eighth wonder of the world. It's like the compounding effect. And so let me give you a perfect example. You mentioned earlier we have a lot of coaches, consultants, uh, which I imagine will be speakers, et cetera. So when I started to um, uh, get into this business, you know, one of the things that uh, I had the advantage of is when I was building Remax of Indiana and I used to hire all the personal development speakers for 15,000, 25,000, 35,000 dollars to come to Indiana and to motivate my, um, my entire company. Um, they all complained of one thing, and that was that they had to pick up and go to the next city the next day or the day after that. And they hated the fact that they had to go do another keynote, they had to go sell their books or their wares, you know, from the back of the room, that they had to, you know, get together with some of their clients three, four, five times a year. And so when I started building my company, I asked myself some different questions. How do I not fall into the same trap? And so I designed a model that was a leveraged model where I said, okay, I'm not going to speak more than five times a year and I'm only going to speak if I get paid. Uh, and so I, I got my speaking fees to 75,000 a keynote. Uh, and then people asked me to consult with them. And I started at like 750 bucks an hour and I ended up at $5,000 an hour. Uh, and then I was getting asked by too many people to, to coach them or consult them for $5,000 an hour. Uh, and I said, I'm going to stop that. So several years ago, I said, I'm not going to do any more speaking. I'm not going to do any coaching or any consulting. I'm not going to do any live events. And everybody thought I was absolutely nuts. I said, well, you might think I'm nuts, but I'm very clear on what I want. I'm going to create a leverage model where I can create my intellectual property, which is your pillar number one, but I'm going to disseminate it using technology leverage and teaching people online one to many. So I'll just fast forward, you know, four years or so after that decision, I took an event that I do over the course of uh, a day called the Brainathon, where I invite um, several world-renowned brain experts to talk about the science of change, the science of letting go of uh, poor self-esteem, the science of upgrading your brain to new powerful beliefs, letting go of disempowering habits, how do you develop new empowering habits, etc. And I started to do this event, which was an entire full-day event online, which was free. And then we would give people an opportunity to buy our Way the Game of Money program, which is a brain training program, plus um, a whole slew of, uh, of video-based training on earning, managing, investing, protecting your wealth, managing your emotions, uh, setting goals, achieving goals, et cetera. And then the following weekend after the live event, I bought traffic on Facebook and then we aired the same program on that Saturday. Well, that was five years ago. And that program that we redo once a year, but we replay 49 other times during the year brings in eight figures a year in revenue. Wow. So every Saturday, I have between 10 and 15 
thousand people who sign up for just that one day training. And I have five of those going on for different programs during the week. That's leverage. I love that. That is fantastic. Okay, so the fifth and final pillar is the importance of having mentors and peers. I know you believe in this. <laughs> I know you believe in this very strongly. I believe in this very strongly. Tell our listener why you believe in this strongly and how you've used mentors and how you used peers to move your business and your success forward. Sure. So, you know, I'm, I'm 56 now. I started learning the value of mentors. As I mentioned with that first mentor I had, Mr. Alan Brown, which I'm forever grateful for. And, and he, he was just brilliant at, at uh, getting me out of my own way. But he also, not but, and he also got me interested in reading books and having mentors through books and investing a little bit of my money every week, every month, every quarter, every year on upgrading my knowledge and my skills through books, courses, coaches, consultants, events, etc. And so what it's done for me is when we talk about peers, you know, we're all walking down the, the same path, you know, to, to wanting to make sure that our life has purpose, our life has meaning, that we're loved, that, that I'm okay, that you're okay, that my life is, is got something bigger than just me being a consumer of food and, 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 and stuff, you know, that has more value than that. And so my peers let me know that, yes, that in fact is true. We help each other along the way. And then we developed a uh, little quote here at our company that was taken from my friend, Lisa Sasevich. And it's that as we climb, we lift. And so there are always people up above you in one or more areas of your life. And if they have a hand down to you to help you up and you have a hand down to the next person and you help them up, now we've got a chain of humanity where we're lifting each other up as we climb. So that's peer to peer. Uh, when we're down, you know, others pick us up. You know, the Navy SEALs have a phenomenal code uh, between them, and that is you do not focus on yourself. If you focus on the other members of your team, then you're going to have six or 12 people focusing on you. You don't have to worry about you when you have that commitment from that many people. And so that's peer to peer. Mentors are the individuals that have the wisdom, the knowledge, the skills, you know, to, to help you navigate through the landmines of life. And like I said before, um, you know, all the how to we already know. The challenge that many of us have is we make mistakes. Some of them are just mistakes out of ignorance, not knowing. And mentors can teach us what not to do. And the most successful people in the world, they don't succeed 99 times out of 100. They succeed two or three times out of 100. And that means they know 97 things not to do for every 100 tries. And so if they are moving forward, you know, with trial and error, trial and error, trial and error, you can bypass the trial and the error and you can just focus on here's what I need to do, which will give me a predictable result. And for me, I'm all about, you know, what's the best way for me to get a predictable result? 
John. And that's where my science, my science brain comes in. I'm very, very analytical, um, and I like to figure things out. On my desk, I've got one, two, three, about eight Rubik's Cubes, anywhere from three by three to 16 by 16. And, and so there's people who've already figured out the things that we're trying to understand. Why not start with at least their blueprint and then innovate? That makes so much sense. So we like to end off every interview by asking you, our expert, what are your top three hacks, your top three expert action steps that you recommend our listener take on in order to take their life, their business to the next level? What are yours? All right. So number one, it has to be my daily rituals. So I'm going to assume that everybody here um, has their vision for their life or their business. And they have all of the, the fundamental stuff of here's my goals for, for this year. Here are my health goals, wealth goals, relationship goals, business goals, financial goals, et cetera. I'm going to assume they have that. So let's talk about a daily ritual that's a game changer for me. Every day I have something called my exceptional life blueprint that I review every morning. So when I wake up, after I go and pee and after I go do my meditation just to get my brain in coherence and to tap into the field of all knowledge and, and information, once I do that, then I exercise, I take care of my physical body, and then right after that I pull out my exceptional life blueprint and I do something that I mentioned before called cognitive priming. So I look at my goals for every year of my life. It's about 15 pages. I look at everything from the vision and the goals, and I prime my brain by being quiet as I breathe in and out gently, and I give my brain the instruction to focus on all of the thoughts, emotions, sensations, feelings, and behaviors required to achieve those goals. And then I let that go. That takes me about five minutes. Then I invest the next 10 minutes to take a look at what are the three things, not 30, three things that no matter what, I will finish by tonight. No matter what, three, these three things I will finish by tonight. I make sure those are on my calendar and my assistant has them as well. And usually we do those in advance, but I make sure those are the three things and nothing has changed. And then I get to the office. And then I focus on the highest impact and highest income producing activities for that day. Every day, highest impact, highest income producing activities for that day. And then at the end of the day, I make sure that I did what I said I was going to do. And so I do a check and balance at the beginning of the day, check and balance at the end of the day, and then a three minute review every Sunday night. These are non-negotiable. I don't care if I'm on vacation. I don't care if I'm scuba diving or sitting on the moon. These are non-negotiable daily rituals. And when I do that, um, things just seem to flow. Things just seem to, to, to be, you know, um, in motion, in harmony. That makes so much sense. Thank you. Those are brilliant expert action steps. So listener, if you're listening to this, John Asraf has given you some gold. Make sure that you go check out his NeuroGym programs. 
and make sure that you purchase them and that you utilize them for yourself. It's John Asraf for crying out loud. It's the star from The Secret, the man who manifested the very house he was living in with the use of a vision board. You got a lot to learn from this man and you got to make sure that you consume his material and that you buy his program. And here's what else I want to say. If in your mind you're wondering, do I have what it takes to be the John Asraf of my niche or my niche? And you're nervous, you're scared, you're thinking, ah, I could never be like that. I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to tell you, you probably do have it in you. And the best way to find out is to jump on a call with me or one of the members of my team. Go to ecircleacademy.com forward slash appointment. Let's figure out what your intellectual property is worth in the marketplace. Let's get your thought leadership out there so that you can move your life and your business to the next level. And we silence those chattering monkeys that are strangling your dream once and for all. John, thank you so much for being on the show. You've given our listeners so much gold. It's been a real honor to have you here. Come back anytime, my friend. Thank you. What an absolute joy for our paths to cross you know, you and I versus you and my brother. <laughs> I know, it's it's great. And uh, listen, uh, if I can be of service to you in any way, uh, I'd be honored to do so. And that wraps up another episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's amazing guests, go to thethoughtleaderrevolution.com, look inside the show notes, check out his material, check out his program, and if you have been wondering what is your intellectual property worth out there in the marketplace, how can you take your thought leadership to the next level? Let's jump on a call. The way to do that is go to ecircleacademy.com forward slash appointment. That's also in the show notes. Make sure that you pick a time that works for you. Hurry because we don't have a lot of times. It's just me and one or two other team members that are available. And I look forward to being of service to you. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time.